Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Chapter five, well, not chapter five, chapter four. I almost said chapter five. Right, Peyton? Right, Peyton? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Okay. She's having a hard time waking up. The sleepy little angel, the sleepy little cherub. All right. Book the 11th, The Grim Grotto. Did you ever look at the cover, Pay? Look, Sunny's like stuffed in the helmet. Can you see it? Cute. She's so tiny. All right. Chapter four. The expression fits like a glove is an odd one because there are many different types of glove and only few of them have, few of them are going to fit the situation you're in. If you need to keep your hands warm in a cold environment, then you'll need a fitted pair of gloves, insulated, a fitted pair of insulated gloves and a, and a glove made to fit the bureau of the dollhouse will be no help whatsoever. What? This is so weird. This book's so weird. If you need to sneak into a restaurant in the middle of the night and steal a pair of chopsticks without being discovered, then you'll need a sheer a, a sheer pair of gloves that leaves no marks and no glove decorated with loud bells simply will not do. Oh, and gloves decorated with, oh my God. If you need to pass unnoticed, if you need to pass unnoticed in a shrubbery, shrubbery covered landscape then you'll need a very very large glove made of green leafy fabric and then an elegant pair of silk gloves that will be entirely useless nevertheless the expression fits like a glove simply means that something is very suitable the way a custard the way a custard is suitable dessert for a pair or a pair of chopsticks is a suitable to remove papers from an open briefcase briefcase and when the Baudelaire orphans put on the uniforms of the Queequeg, they found that they fitted the children like a glove, despite the fact that they did not actually fit them well. Violet was pleased that the uniforms had several loops around the waist, just perfect for holding tools that she didn't care with her sleeves bagged, bagged over the elbows. Klaus was happy that there was a waterproof pocket for his commonplace book and didn't care that the boots were too big. And Sunny was reassured that this shiny material was sturdy enough to resist cooking spills as well as water, and didn't mind rolling up the legs of the suit almost the way she could walk, almost the way that she could walk. But this was more than individual features of the uniform that felt fitting. It was a place in the people that it represented. For a long time, the Baudelaire's had felt as if their lives were damaged, fris- were a damaged frisbee tossed to a person from person to person or from place to place without ever realizing or being appreciated and fitting in. But as they zipped up their uniforms and smoothed out their portraits of Herman Melville, the children felt as if the frisbee of their lives might just be repaired. In wearing the uniform of the Quaquag, the siblings felt part of something. Not a family exactly, but a gathering of people who all volunteered for the same mission. To think that their skills in venting research and cooking would be appreciated was something that they had not thought in a long time and they stood there in the supply room and regarded one another and this feels this feeling fit them like a glove shall we go up to 
go back to main hall, Violet asked. I'm ready to take a look at the telegram device. Let me loosen the buckles on these boots, Klaus said, and I'll be ready to tackle those title charts. Coosie, said Sunny. By Coosie, she meant something like, I'm looking forward to examining the kitchen, but a loud scraping si- sound from overhead stopped the, the youngest Baudelaire from finishing her sentence. The entire, sub- the entire submarine seemed to shake, and a few drops of water fell from the ceiling onto the Baudelaire's heads. What was that? Violet asked, picking up her picking up her helmet. Do you think that the Queequeg has sprung a leak? I don't know, Klaus said, picking up its helmet for himself and another and another for Sunny. Let's go find out. Let's go find out. The three Baudelaire's hurried back down to the corridor to the main hall as the horrid scraping sound continued. If you've ever heard the sound of the fingernails against the chalkboard, then you know an un- how unnerving a scraping sound can be. And to the children, it sounded as if the fingernails... The largest fingernails in the world had mistakenly had mistaken the submarine for a piece of educational equipment. Captain Woodershins, Violet cried over the scraping sound as Baudelaire's entered the hall. The captain was still at the top of the ladder, grasping for the steering wheel in his gloved hand. What's going on? This darn steering mechanism is a disgrace, Captain cried out in disgust. Aye, the queer crud has bust has bumped against a rock in the formation on the side of the stream. If I hadn't managed to get that sub back in control, the submarine Q and its crew of two would be sleeping with the fishes. Aye, perhaps I should examine the steering mecha- mechanism first. Violet said and fix the telegram device later. Don't be ridiculous, Captain. Captain said. If we hadn't received any any, if we can't receive any volunteer fractional dis- dispatches. We might as well be wandering around with our eyes closed. We must find the sugar bowl before Count Olaf. Aye, our personal safety is nearly not as important. Aye, now hurry up. Aye, get a move on it. Aye, get cracking. Aye, get a glass of water if you're thirsty. Aye, he or she who hesitates is lost. Violet did not bother to point out that the finding the sugar bowl would be impossible if the submarine was destroyed. And she knew better than to argue with Captain's personal philosophy. Well, it's worth a try, she said, and walked over to a small wheeled platform. Do you mind if I use this? She asked Fiona. It'll help me get a get a look at the device's machinery. By be my guest, Fiona said. And Klaus, let's get a work. Let's get to work on the title charts. We can study them at the table and keep an eye on them for a glimpse of the sugar bowl through the porthole. I don't think that we'll see it, but it's worth taking a look. Fiona, Violet said hesitantly. Hesitantly, could you also take a look for our friend? Could you also take a look for, take. A look for our friend Quigley Quagmire. He was carried away by the stream's other tributary, and we haven't seen him since. Quigley Quagmire, Fiona asked. The cart- cartographer? He's a friend of ours, Klaus said. Do you know him? Well, only by reputation, Fiona said, using a phrase here, which means, I don't know him personally, but I've heard the, of the work he does. The volunteers lost track of him a long time ago, along with Hector and the other Quagmires. The Quagmires haven't been as lucky as we have, Violet said, tying her hair up with a ribbon to help her focus on repairing the telegram device. I'm hoping that you'll spot him with the periscope. Well, it's worth a try, Fiona said, as Phil walked through the kitchen doors wearing an apron over his uniform. Sunny, he asked, I heard you were going to help me in the kitchen. There's a bit of, we're a bit low on supplies, I'm afraid. Using the Quig nets managed to catch some a few cods, but we... But we have a half a sack of potatoes, but not merely anything else. Do you have any ideas about what to make for dinner? Chowda, Sunny said. Oh, it's worth a try. Phil said in the next few hours, all three Baudelaire's tried to see if their tasks were, were worth 
a try. Violet wheeled herself under the several underneath several pipes to get a good look at the telegram device and frowned as he twisted and tightened a few screws with the screwdriver she found lying around and klaus sat at the table and looked over the title charts using a pencil to trace these paths with the sugar bowl that the sugar bowl might have taken as the water cycle sent them tumbling down the stricken stream and sunny worked with phil standing in a large soup pot so she could reach the counter of a small grimy kitchen boiling potatoes and picking tiny bones out of the cod and as the afternoon turned to evening and the waters of the stricken stream grew even darker in the porthole the main hall of the quag of the quequag was quiet and the volunteers worked on the task at hard but even when the captain wooderson's climbed down from the ladder and retrieved a small belt a small bell from a pocket of his uniform and filled the room with the echoes of its loud metallic ri- ring. The Baudelaire's could not be certain that all of their efforts had been worth a try. Attention, the captain said. I, I want the entire crew of the Queequeg to report to their report their progress. Gather around the table and tell me what's going on. Violet wheeled herself from under the telegram device and jolted joined her brother and Fiona at the table, while Sunny and Phil emerged from the kitchen. I'll report first, Captain said. Aye, because I'm the captain, not because I'm a show-off. Aye, I try not to show off very much. Aye, it's because it's rude. Aye, and I've managed... I've managed to steer further down the stricken stream without bumping into anything else. Aye, which is much harder than it sounds. Aye, and we've reached the sea. Aye, now it should be easier not to run into anything. Aye, Violet, what about you? While I examined the telegram device, Violet said, I made a few minor repairs, but I found nothing that would interfere with receiving a telegram. You're saying that the device isn't broken, the captain said? Aye, Violet said, growing more comfortable with the captain's speech. I think there might be a problem on the other end. Procto, Sunny asked, which meant the other end. A telegram requires two devices, Violet said, one to send a message and the other to receive it. I think that you haven't been receiving... Volunteer fractal dispatches because whoever sends a message is having a problem with their machine. But all sorts of volunteers send us messages, Fiona said. Aye, said the captain. Captain, we've received dispatches from more than 25 agents. Then, then many machines must be damaged, Violet replied. Sabotage, Klaus said. Does it sound like the damage has been done on purpose, Violet agreed? Oh, it does sound like the device has been damage has been done on purpose. Remember when we sent a telegram to Mr. Poe from the last chance green store? <gasps> Silencio, Sunny said, which meant we never heard a reply. Oh, they're closing in, the captain said darkly. Our enemies are preventing us from communicating. I don't see how Count Olaf could have time could have had time to destroy all those machines, Klaus said. Many telegrams travel through telephone lines, Fiona said, and it couldn't it wouldn't be difficult. Besides, Olaf isn't the only enemy, Violet said, thinking of the other two villains the Baudelaire's had encountered on Mount Frott. Aye, said the captain, that's for certain. There is evil out there. Evil out there that you cannot imagine. Klaus, have you made any progress in the title charts? Klaus spread out a chart on the table so everyone could see. The chart was really more of a map showing the stricken stream winding down through the mountains before any before reaching the sea with tiny arrows and notations describing the way that the water was moving. The arrows and the notes were in several different colors of ink as the charts as if the charts had been passed through the researchers to researcher, from researcher to researcher, each adding notes as he or she discovered more information about the era. Area. 
It's more complicated than I thought, the middle Baudelaire said, and much more dull. These charts know every single detail concerning water. Dull, the captain roared, and we're all in the middle of a desperate mission, and all you can think of is your own entertainment? I do you want, to hes- want us to hesitate, stop our activities, and suppose and put on a puppet show so that you won't find this submarine, submarine dull? You misunderstood me, Klaus said quickly. All I meant is that it's easier to do research when something is interesting. You sound like Fiona, the captain said. When I want to, when I want her to research the life of a Herman Melville, she works slowly, but she's quick as a whip when the subject when it's on the subject of mushrooms. Mushrooms, Klaus asked. Are you a mycologist? Fiona smiled, and her eyes grew wide from behind her triangular glasses. I'd never thought I would met, I would meet anybody in the world who knew that word, she said. Besides me, yes, I am a mycologist. I've been interested in fungi all my life. If we have time, I'll show you my mycology library. Time, the captain, Captain Win- Wittershins repeated. We don't have time for fungi books. I. we don't have time for you two to do all that flirting either. We're not flirting, Fiona said. We're having a conversation. It looks like flirting to me, Captain said. Aye, why don't you tell me about your research, Violet said to Klaus, knowing that her brother would rather talk about title charts than his personal life. Klaus gave her a grateful smile and pointed to the chart. If my calculations are correct, he said, the sugar bowl could have been carried down the same tributary that we went down at the toboggan, prevailing current streams leading all the way down here where the sea begins. So it would be carried out to sea, Violet said. I think so, Klaus said, and we can see here that the tides would move far away from the Santog shore, northeasterly direction. Sink, Sunny said, which means something like, wouldn't the sugar bowl just drift to the ocean floor? Well, it's too small, Klaus said. Oceans are in constant motion, and the object that falls into the sea could end up miles away. It appears that the tides and the currents in this part of the ocean could take the sugar bowl past the gulag archipelago here, and then head down towards the mediocre barrier reef before turning this point here, which is marked AA. Do you know what that is, Captain? Looks like some sort of floating structure. The captain sighed and raised his finger with to a fiddle, which, with the curl of his mustache, I, he said, and whistle aquatics. It's a marine research center and a rhetorical advice service. Or it was. It burned down. Anne Whistle, Violet said. That was Aunt Josephine's last name. I, the captain said. Anne Whistle Aquatics was founded by Gregor Anne Whistle, the famous, inch- oh my God, ichnologist and Josephine's Josephine's brother-in-law, but all all of that's now ancient history. Where did the sugar bowl go next? The Baudelaire's would have preferred to learn more, but knew better than argue with the cap with the captain. And Klaus pointed to a small oval chart to continue his report. This is the part that confuses me. He said, "You see this overall, this oval right next to Anne Whistle Aquatics? It's marked GG, but there's no other explanation." Gigi, Captain Wittershin said, and stroked his mustache thoughtfully. I've never seen an oval like that on on a chart like this. There's something else confusing about it, Klaus said, peering into the oval. There are two different arrows inside of it. One of each points into a different direction. It looks like the tide is going two ways at once, Fiona said. Violet frowned. This doesn't make any sense, she said. I'm confused too, Klaus said. According to my calculations, the sugar bowl is probably carried right to the place on this map. But where it went from there, I can't imagine. I guess we should set 
a course for the, for Gigi, whatever that might be, Violet said, and see if we can find anything there. I'm the captain, Captain cried. I'll give the orders around here. I, I'll order that we set a course for that oval and see what we can find there. But first, I'm hungry and thirsty. I, and my arm itches, and I can... I can scratch my own arm, but Cookie and Sunny, you're responsible for the food and drink. I, Sunny helped you make a chowder. That should be ready in a few minutes, Phil said. Her teeth were very hard, worked, are very handy in dicing boiled tomatoes. Flash, Sunny said, which means, don't worry, I clean my teeth before using them as kitchen implements. Chowder? Aye, chowder sounds delicious, the captain cried. And what about dessert? Aye, dessert is the most important part of a meal. I said, in my opinion, even though it's not really a meal, I. Tonight, the only dessert we have is gum, Phil said. I still I still have some left for my days at the lumber mill. I think I'll pass on dessert, Klaus said, who had such a terrible time at Lucky Smells Lumber Mill that he no longer had a taste for gum. You, him, you himmeled it, Sunny said, which meant, don't worry, Phil, I have arranged a surprise dessert for tomorrow night. But of course, her siblings could only understand her... Only her siblings could understand the Baudelaire's usual way of talking. Nevertheless, as Sunny spoke, Captain Wooderson stood up at the table and began crying out in astonishment. I, he cried, dear God, holy Buddha, Charles Darwin, Duke Ellington. I, Fiona, turn off the engine. I, Cookie, turn off the stove. I, Violet, make sure the telegram device is off. I, Klaus, gather your materials together so nothing rolls around. I, calm down, work quickly, don't panic, help. I, what's going on, Phil asked. What is what is it, stepfather? Fiona asked. For once, the captain was silent and merely pointed to the screen of the submarine wall. The screen looks like a piece of paper of a graph, lit up in green lights with glowing letter Q in the center. It looks like the sonar detector, Violet said. It is a sonar detector, Fiona said. We can tell if anything is undersea, anything other, any other undersea crafts are approaching by detecting the sound that it makes the cue represents the queer the queequeg and my call it the mycologist gasped as at the baudelaire's looked at what she was pointing at at the very top of the panel was another glowing symbol which was moving down the screen as fast as a clip a phrase here which means straight towards the queequeg fiona did not say what was did not say what this green symbol was used was stood for, and the children could not bear to ask. It was an eye staring at the frightening, at the frightened volunteers and wiggling its long skinny eyelashes, which protruded protruded from each side. Olaf, Sunny whispered in in whisper. Sunny said in a whisper, "Well, there's no way of knowing for sure." Sunny said. Fiona said, "But we'd better follow my stepfather's orders. If there's another submarine, it has a, a sonar detector too." If the Queen Club absolutely silent, they'll have no idea we're here. Aye, said the captain. Hurry. He who hesitates is lost. Nobody bothered to add he or, sh- or she to the captain's orders, captain's personal philosophy, but instead hurried, instead hurried to silence t- to silence the submarine. Fiona climbed up the rope ladder and turned off the wiring engine. Violet wheeled back into the machinery of the telegram device and turned it off. Bill and Sunny ran to the kitchen and turned off the stove, even so the so even the bubbling of their homemade chowder would not give the queequeg away. And Klaus and the captain gathered up the materials on the table so that nothing else would even make the slightest rattle.
Within moments, the submarine was silent as a grave, and the volunteer stood mutely at the table, looking at the porthole, looking out the porthole to the gloomy waters of the sea. As the eye of the sonar drew closer to the queue, they could see that something could em- something emerged from the darkened waters, a strange shape that became clear, getting clearer as closer and clo- as it got closer and closer to the Queequeg. It was indeed another submarine, the likes of which the Baudelaire's had never seen before, and even in the strangest of books. It was much bigger than the Queequeg, and it used and it approached the children and approach as it approached, the children had to to cover their mouths so to gasp so they could not be heard the second submarine was the eye of a was the shape of a giant octopus with an enormous metal dome for a head and two wide portholes for eyes a real octopus of course has eight legs but a submarine can have many more what would ha- what had appeared to be eyelashes on the sonar screen were actually small metal tubes protruding from the body of the octopus and circling the water making thousands of bubbles that hurried down the surface as if they were frightened under the watercraft. The octopus drew closer, and all six passengers of the Queequeg stood as still as statues, hoping that the submarine had not discovered them. The strange craft was close to the Baudelaire's, so it could see the, so they could see the figures inside the octopus's eyes. A tall, lean figure, although the children could not see any further details, they were positive that figure had one eyebrow instead of two, filthy fingernails instead of good grooming habits, and a tattoo on his left of an eye on his left ankle. Count Olaf, Sunny whispered before they, she could stop herself. The figure in the portholes twitched as if Sunny's tiny noise had caused the Queequeg to be detected. Spouting more bubbles, the octopus drew closer. Still, in any moment, in any second, one of those legs of the octopus would be heard scraping against the outside of the Queequeg. The three children looked down at their helmets, which they had left on the on the floor, wondering if they should put them on so they might survive if the submarine collapsed. Fiona grabbed her stepfather's arm, but Captain Wittershins shook his head silently and pointed to the sonar detection again. The eye on the queue were almost at the top of one another on the screen, but it was not that the cap it was not what the captain was pointing at. The captain was the third, it was, there was a third shape glowing in the green light. This one was the biggest of all, a huge curved, curved tube with a small circle at the end of it, slithering around the center of the screen like a snake. But this third underwater craft didn't look like a snake. It approached, it, as it approached the eye of the queue and the small circle leading to the enormous curved tube, Towards the Queequeg and its frightened volunteer crew, the shape looked more like a question mark. The Baudelaire stared at this new third shape approaching them in eerie silence, and they felt as if they were about to be consumed by that very question they were trying to answer. Captain Wittershins pointed to the pointed to the porthole again as the children watched the octopus stop as if it had detected the strange third shape. When the legs of the octopus began whirling around more furiously, so the strange submarine began to recede in, in from view, a phrase here which means disappear from the porthole, as if it hurried away from the Queequeg. 
The Baudelaire's looked at the same sonar screen and watched the question mark following the glow of the green eye in silence until both shapes disappeared from the sonar detector of the Queequeg and the Queequeg was alone. The six passengers waited a moment and sighed in relief. It's gone, Violet said. Olaf didn't find us. I knew we'd be safe, Phil said, optimistic as usual. Olaf is probably in a good mood anyways. The Baudelaire's did not bother to say that their enemy was not only in a good mood when one of his treacherous plans was succeeding or when he was only in a good mood when one of his treacherous plans was succeeding or when the enormous fortune left behind by the Baudelaire's parents appeared to be falling into his grubby hands. What was that, stepfather? Fiona said. Why did it leave? What was that third shape, Violet asked. The captain shook his head. Something very bad, he said. Even worse than Olaf, probably. I told you, Baudelaire, that there is evil that you can't imagine. We don't have to imagine it, Klaus said. We saw, the, we saw it there on the screen. That screen is nothing, Captain said. It's just a piece of equipment. I, There will be a philosopher who will say all of all life is just shadows. He said that people were just sitting around in a cave watching shadows on on the cave. Aye, shadows of something much bigger and grander than themselves. Well, that sonar detector is like our <clears throat> like our cave wall, showing us shapes of things much more powerful and much more terrifying. I don't understand, Fiona said. I don't want you to understand, the captain said, putting his arm around her. That's why I haven't told you why the sugar bowl is so very crucial. There are secrets in this world too terrible for young people to know, and even those secrets gets closer and closer. Aye, in any case, I'm hungry. Aye, shall we eat? The captain rang his bell, and the Baudelaire's felt as if they had awoken from a deep sleep. I'll serve the chowder, Phil said. Come on, Sonny, why don't you help me? I'll take, I'll turn on, turn the engine back on, Fiona said, and began climbing the rope ladder. Violet, there's a drawer in the, in the table full of silverware. <sighs> Perhaps you and your brother could set the table. Of course, Violet said, but then frowned as she turned to her brother. The middle Baudelaire was staring at the title chart with a, with a look of utter concentration. His eyes were so bright behind his glasses that they could, that they looked a bit like the glowing symbols on the sonar detector. Klaus, she said. Klaus didn't answer his sister, but turned his gaze from the chart to Captain Wittershins. I may not know why the sugar bowl's important, he said, but I've just figured out where it was. <gasps> no way! That's cool. He figured out where the sugar bowl is. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, she's yep, yeah, she's asleep. <laughs>